don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. Well, we got to ask ourselves the question, would a cop, would they lie to you? Would they try to manipulate you and get you to do their work for them to get you to prove yourself guilty? Somebody wrote in, kind of asking that question, find out, did they screw up? And what about disguises? In the land of spies, are we doing permanent body modification and adjustment? Are we going under the knife to hide ourselves for covert operations? What about all this talk about civil war? Why are people talking about it? Is it crazy? Is there really anything out there that says that? Well, I'll tell you what my thoughts are. And remind you that I'm usually not wrong. So we'll see. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, three random topics and a heading typically means viewer questions and emails. So let's get started. Before we hit those three, here's one from, we'll call him Michael. I do think you and Dr. David Robertson should do some sort of short weekly viewpoints, destroying the narrative gray man concept blend on weekly things pertaining to current events and effects, potential effects from the type discussion with the viewpoints on how to see it from a gray man point of view together. I think both fan base would happily support it. I would be honored to help in any meaningful way. So the two ways that would happen, one is we live near each other or two, I wasn't traveling and we coordinated to do a weekly thing, kind of like what we used to do years ago on YouTube. So that that's how that would work. I don't think that's feasible right now. He's busy. He's really busy and I'm traveling. So even if he's not busy and yes, I have, cause I could actually do something like that now anywhere in the country would be great, but I don't, I don't think that's something's going to happen. Will we do more stuff together in the future? Sure. I think we both probably would have preferred to have done it by now. And then, of course, if I end up in Kansas again, we'll do it. I think that'd be a missed opportunity if I didn't. But I think that, uh, I don't know, we kind of used to play off each other a little bit on our shows. We'd both talk about something similar after the other person did and kind of help each other out or, uh, you know, kind of give opposing points of view. Or they wouldn't be opposing and be different perspectives. It would seem opposing, depending on what it is. I think we'd both like to generally do that. I know I would, but there's no guarantee on how that's going to work out. But I think we'll probably try to do more stuff together in the future. I think people do generally enjoy that from both shows. All right, so let's see. For the Cops and Robbers pieces, we got this one uh, guy here. He says, talking about his law enforcement interview experience, he sent this to me couple months ago back when I did the cop and robber poll and there wasn't enough room for him to write his response. So he says, I think it's a he anyway, might not be a he, 
I used to work second shift. One morning, the phone rang and woke me up. See, that's how you work second shift right there. When I answered it, the man on the line identified himself as a detective from the neighboring town and asked me to come in for an interview. Okay, so he probably, he could have came to you. He wanted you to come in there. That's a control thing. It's not a jurisdiction thing. He could coordinate with local police to come and talk to you. But he wants you to come in there. That puts him in a power position to be kind of more in control and make you at least feel like he can dictate when you can and can't leave. It's a tactic that is commonly used. It's not diff- too dissimilar to some things done in the intel field, especially uh, I get interrogation kind of true like that, but sometimes that's what we do. I was going to read this whole thing and then break it down, but I'm going to break it down as we go. So he's from the neighboring town. As you come in, I literally asked if it was a fucking joke. <laughs> he replied it was not, of course. Because there's no way for you to verify. I mean, you can get prank calls all the time. It is a crime to impersonate law enforcement. But yeah, you could get information from them. You could ask their name. You could get their badge number. You could call and find out what's going on to supervisor to verify. And you could also call an attorney. So let's see. He said it wasn't a joke. I asked if I needed a lawyer and he said no. First of all, that's not a question for him. Number two, that's a question for a lawyer. And number two, it's not for him to say whether you do or don't need one. And it's in his benefit and his interest for you not to have a lawyer. Because if you had a lawyer, the lawyer would tell you to, to just don't answer the phone until this guy to fuck off. That's a short answer to a good lawyer. So I got the yellow pages called a lawyer for a free consult. Okay, you can do that. It's a good thing to do when you can't just hire one. I must have picked a bad one because he said go to the interview and if I got arrested, call him again. I would say that's a bad lawyer. If Because here's the situation. Hey, would you come in and talk to me? I'm in this neighboring town, right? Okay, so we don't have justification for a warrant for your arrest or to issue a summons for you to come in. We don't have any of these things. And I'm, it's it's a funny situation. Like I'm insinuating it's important for you to come and sit down with me, right? But it's not so important. I can't just ask you the question right now. It wasn't important enough for me to come to you. It's not important or it's too important for me to ask you the questions right now over the phone, even though I'm insinuating this is pressing. But I'd like to schedule a time for you to come in and talk to me that puts me in control. Whereas in this situation, because they don't have anything on you, the only way you could get arrested is by going in and talking to them and the things you said. Not only that, you're in a position where, depending on the laws of the area, you could be put in a holding for 72 hours without being arrested. That's possible. So it's a 100% downside to go into that police station in this situation. 100%. There is no benefit to you. Now, I think the guy who wrote this knows this is kind of how it's going to go down. I'm, I'm doing this for everybody else to understand. No benefit to you. If it's that fucking important, they will come to you and talk to you or they ask the questions on the phone. If they can do neither and you need to go in there, that's when they're in the weakest position possible and they need you to be in there so that they can do the things they do for whatever reason, right? Because it's, if it's that big of a deal, they can come to you. They can work a little bit. So let's see. Free consult. Call me back if you get arrested, bad lawyer. So long story short, I went to the interview, and when I went there, the detective told me I was free to leave at any time, and he escorted me to the room that looked like it was used for DUIs rather than interviews. Probably, but it depends on the size of the town and the facilities they have available. Really, they're just small rooms. I mean, I, I remember seeing FBI offices. So like in some of them, they have somewhat, somewhat secure facilities, but when you go in... There's like a lobby that doesn't look like a lobby and they'll have like one or two sides. They're like little cubicle areas. You can go talk to and give interviews without getting back into a more secure area. You know, so they look like they're unmanned areas for 
people to greet you that they do interviews in. Whereas in others, it's like way in the back, feels like you're locked in a box. It's just bland, boring rooms. There's all kinds of reasons why they would use these rooms. But the second you saw that, you could have left, and you could have left at any time. The other thing, too, is whether they read your rights or not, you need to understand the laws and stuff of what you can and can't do. Because some people say, well, this is illegal when it's illegal where they're at, but not somewhere else. Is understanding that there's assumptions you should make. As much as I tell you assumptions are bad, in this situation, there's assumptions you should make for your own safety. Number one, that the laws allow for you to be prosecuted for lying or misleading this investigator anytime. If this was a federal officer, that's just fucking fact number one. Non-federal, assume that's real. Number two, assume it's being documented and recorded beyond that of just you two and the three in the room. Three, assume that there is or some way, if not a direct way, this can be used against you in a court of law, even though you haven't been read your rights, that it can be used as evidence. That shouldn't scare you. It should just let you understand there's certain realities. Another reason why you go in there, they can surveil this. They can tape it. They can record it. They're more comfortable. They don't have to leave. They don't have to do anything. It's not just about being lazy. It's actually about a tactical advantage that they have. So it goes on to say, I sat down. He pulls out this really thick envelope. Okay, so envelopes weird to me. Usually it's a file folder. A lot of those things are done for intimidation. Sometimes they're legitimately full of stuff related to the case, but not related to this interview. And they bring them. There's all kinds of reasons why they do that. But all those things can intimidate a person, even if it's not meant to be, because they're not used to the situation. Goes on to say, must have had half a ream of paper in it. Must be real thick. But I know the pages all look brand new from what I could see, all lined and straight, like he pulled it out of a printer. Yeah, so at best it was copied, printed stuff. It could be just there to plus it up. And the other thing, too, is you could always ask to look at it, and they probably won't let you. And the thing is, there's no reason why they shouldn't let you. They More than likely, it would be, despite what you see in movies, it would be odd for them to bring um, original evidence into the room that you could possibly damage or tamper. It would typically be copies. Now, it would be different if it was like, say, a printout of a, a picture from a surveillance tape. They can print more of those out if you damaged it. But they're not going to bring in, like, you know, the candlestick from the office used to kill the butler. They're not going to bring the good stuff in that room, typically not at all. That needs to be protected. So he sees, uh, okay, the folder's open and was facing him, so he opens up and pulls out some photos. There was a good photo of me from a security camera walking into a convenience store. Hey, we're all on camera walking into a store somewhere. Then there's a close-up of me paying for a sandwich and a tea with a $20 bill. Right. So before we go further, because I've already read this, but before we go further, this is not too dissimilar from red light cameras. It's not in their interest to show the video to you. It's in their interest to cherry pick fractions of a moment in time to try to tell a story. A good lawyer not only would have called on this, if you were to end up in court, a good lawyer would have made sure that they showed the whole video thing and walked through it and not just specific cherry pick pieces to try to paint a picture, which is what they're doing here. The photos were not shown in sequence for me entering the store. Nope, because it's not to their benefit to do that. He then told me someone stole $20 using that ATM at the time I was in the store. So is the, see, that's a weird way to put it. Is the ATM in the store or is the ATM outside the store? Because if the ATM's outside the store, this is stupid because you're in the store. If it's in the store, it's understandable. But they'd have to show not only how the money was stolen and the fact there's a camera on the ATM that can see that, but also what's in the store. And also why would those timestamps, they're not connected to the same systems. 
is the timestamp one on the security camera just built in the camera and the guy types it in and the other one's done through the internet or, you know, how do we know if those line up? So anyway, just questions I would be thinking if I was being asked this. I gathered he tracked me because when I paid a, I used my points card or whatever it's called. So use some sort of store card for points. And it took him two months to track me down. So I understand that statement, but also the wheels turn, but they, they turn slowly. There's other cases. Cops often work on many cases. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why he might be working this case. They could have solved all the big ones and went after the little ones. He, you know, there's you never know. But, yeah, so two months later, and the thing is that timeline is not completely unrealistic for petty crime. It could be sometimes people come after you at six months. I asked him if the person who had the money taken knew me. He did not respond to that. But you had a specific reason for asking that, which I'm curious about if somebody else was there or if you knew somebody in the store. But that's the other thing is he's not there to answer your questions, and he's not going to answer any questions that are going to hurt his argument he's trying to present you. I offered that I had taken money out from one of my two checking accounts, so that would you're suggesting ATM there, and he asked me for the card numbers, which I gave voluntarily. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. So he doesn't fucking need that shit. If he has any reason to get it, he can go to a judge and get a warrant. By doing that, you're voluntarily giving him information, access more stuff than he needs for that, and there might be ways in which laws or stuff are written there that allows him to get access to bank records he doesn't need. If he actually needs those and has justification for them, a warrant or a search warrant or whatever be issued for him to go to the bank and get that. So don't do his job for him. I told him I would contact my banks to inquire which one I had used and the exact time of the transaction. Good on you for doing that. Again, that's his job, but it's good for you to check anyway because even though you're innocent in this, based on your writing, I don't think you have anything to do with it, you'd still want to check and find out with your banks and those numbers and any debit or credit card attached to those institutions if anything crazy has been happening. Because if somebody stole money, however, it was stolen out of an ATM machine, they could have stole other stuff. I mean, I don't think, let me scroll through this really quick. Yeah, you don't really indicate in there how the money was stolen and neither the cop apparently, like they stole 20 bucks, they used some sort of scanner thing, are they stealing numbers? There's all kinds of ways that money could be taken. So you should be checking into, are they even screwing with you? Did they take account numbers? Is your credit getting screwed up because somebody stole numbers and are buying things on Amazon? Okay, so let's see. Okay, gave voluntarily. I told him I'd contact to acquire which one I'd use. Okay, I found the bank I'd used and had them write a receipt email stating that at the day and time I took $20 out of my account at that location, since I had security clearance at the time, this ate away at me, and I called the detective to relay this confirmed information from my bank. It's good on you for do that, and yes, having a clearance, it eats away at you because military or not, I know exactly what that life's like, so I get it. Um. Again, I would have told him to fuck off in the first place, but let's see. Uh, confirmed information. He told me it was not good enough. He wants you to do more for him, and he doesn't like it because he doesn't have a suspect. He doesn't have anybody. Fact is, he probably tried to call a lot of people, and you're the, probably the only person that responded. So at this point, I stopped cooperating and told him so. I never heard from him again. This was around 2011, 2012. Yeah, they had nothing. So either something crazy came up and they figured out who did it, or it's a cold case that means nothing because it's petty crime. But yeah, so that's things to understand. The things I told you to make assumptions about is any of this can be used against you. The other thing is don't do their job for them, okay? When cops try to tell people they're not cooperating, I'm not there. 
okay, I don't know what it's like most of the time. So I'll, I'll, let me phrase it this way. I've been sent these videos off like YouTube and I've seen them or real situations where cops are talking to people. I've seen dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds. I cannot think of one unless it was in a documentary where somebody was being a bad guy, but these clips they show me where the person wasn't cooperating. I mean, I've seen some really crazy, ridiculous stuff, of course, but I'm saying in a general conversation like this, they were always cooperating with the cops, tell them they're not. It's just a tactic. The, the officer's personal opinion on what cooperation is is not the same as what the law says cooperation is. There are things you are not required to tell them. You know, it's and you got to know based on your state. So there's, you know... Is it relevant to the investigation and not your opinion? Would a reasonable person see it relevant to the investigation if you don't know what the law is? So, for example, they pull you over and they ask where you're coming from. You can refuse to answer that question. You have every right to. And you may believe it's not relevant to the investigation. It may be relevant because although they pulled you over, they said because you were going five over, there's actually something else they know about your vehicle or your description that relates to something else that they're not going to admit to you because they're conducting an investigation. And they don't want you running off or doing something crazy if you're that guy. They might have backup on the way because they think this could be Bob the bad guy I'm looking for. And he's not going to tell you that because if you're Bob, something bad's going to happen. And then this discussion ensues on whether or not it's relevant to the investigation. And the thing is, if the this is just my opinion, I would get legal advice. But if the officer can't effectively articulate why this is relevant to the investigation, then it's not. So why is that relevant to the investigation of a traffic stop for speeding? It's probably not, but it is relevant to the investigation he's conducting that he's willingly not going to share for you for good fucking reason. Now, why this could be a rare situation, these things happen. And of course, Luke will have something to say about this at some point. He'll give much better advice and descriptions of it, but it's about articulating the information. The other things here is, yeah, bad lawyer <laughs> shouldn't have went and everything I said from the beginning. If it's that important, they'll, sh they'll come to you. If they can make a phone call, that's great, but they're sitting in a desk making a phone call, they can take notes and ask questions. They want you in a position where they're in control. I totally get that. It's better for them. But the thing is, if they're going to skip the first two just to have you come in to them so they can be in a control, they're in a weak position anyway. They don't have anything on you. They don't have any reason to go after you or to make you uncomfortable or arrest you. They're, they're fishing. It's a fishing expedition. Okay, You're biting at the bait by showing up. It's a waste of your time, not to mention, did you have to take time off work for this? You know, you have a clearance, so if you're military, did you have to explain this to anybody? It's eating away. Like, all this stuff's happening doesn't need to happen. And you don't need to do their job for them, right? You don't have to give them this type of information. They can go to the bank and ask for it. The bank can tell them to fuck off, go get a warrant. If they can't get a warrant, they don't have justification for a warrant, then then it's over. And that's that's my advice. But yes, you had a bad lawyer. Now, I don't believe I talked about this on here because I responded an email to a person, but the question was, you use Jason Bourne as a reference for explaining certain concepts fairly regularly. I was wondering if you've read the books, the actual, what do you think of the action methods of concepts? I'm talking about the three first books. And then this went further. Oh, I asked about specific, I'd, I'd answer that, so there was a specific example that I'd have, so the response was, Falls off his boat, he's recovering without his memory. The doctor notices signs of what is essentially plastic surgery, which is used to make his features nondescript and scarring around the eyes, which is presumed to be from colored contacts because he has perfusion weather. You said the appearance is only about 5%, so I guess beyond the color contacts, the rest is for mystery and drama. They actually do modifications. So I'll read you what I want to talk a little bit about. It says, 
No, they don't do body modifications like that. The idea is to be nondescript as possible. So someone that has significant identifying marks or is exceptionally attractive won't get this kind of job. That's typically the case. Some countries probably do still train very attractive people like Russia. And I mean like very regularly for specific things. But we've gotten away from that in the U.S. The use of disguise takes so little to throw off the most familiar people most of the time. Although disguise can be elaborate involving the use of prosthetics. Modification is permanent, can be difficult to hide if needed, and is really just creating another problem. Like you're, you're changing one physical thing for another physical thing that's just as difficult to remove. With the use of mass surveillance, gate analysis, facial recognition, everything is done to make the spy as common as possible. People are easy to fool. Technology takes a bit more effort depending on the country the spy is working for. I do not know. I do know that historically some countries have gone to that extreme, but it's mostly just fun storytelling. A fool, I fool family members regularly with minimal effort. Imagine that a regular person on the street and just walk away. Imagine then a regular person on the street then just walk away, use minimal effort to change appearance again, and I become invisible. People don't really pay attention as much as they think. They don't. Like, I went and saw a friend recently and looked in his windows. I'm knocking on the door laughing because he doesn't know I'm coming. And, like, his kids know me, and they didn't recognize me. Just my beard got longer. Yeah, I hadn't shaved my head in a while. It, it takes very little unless you're in regular, regular, constant contact. So you think about those stories. I mean, typically it's a woman, but, like, she goes and gets her hair done like she's around her husband every day expects he'll be the one that sees it doesn't understand though that because we see them every day that a lot of little nuanced things we don't notice and I, I while women look for that kind of thing that's generally true for most people that we don't notice a lot of nuance change for somebody we see regularly we generally know it's them we pick up on things like we know the way they walk we know the way this looks they stand this way there's things about words they say that we know because we're that familiar with them we don't have that kind of regular contact and i'm talking like multiple hours a day, it becomes a lot easier to fool people. Wearing a pair of glasses does a lot. The ball hat, like when you see the movies, a good thing in movies I think is a good example is like, um, oh, so, <laughs> oh, I got to get away from the movie thing where you guys keep asking me. So I like the Marvel movies. So in one of them, it's one of the Captain America ones. I think it's the second one where it's him and Black Widow, but they go on a run from S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're in the mall. So Captain America is wearing blue jeans with like chucks or something, like a leather jacket or something and a ball hat, right? And the chick, Scarlett Johansson, isn't really, they didn't really do much with her. But somebody was like, God, that's a terrible disguise. I go, it is for her, but for him it's great. And like, what are you talking about? Like, people look like that all the time. And it's a ball hat and a jacket and he typically is wearing neither. That's all it really takes. You know, and then they do the example about, oh, give me a kiss, public displays of affection, make people look there's truth in that, but the fact that they just, their faces weren't showing and he looked that different is really what did it. And while that guy, I mean, it's in the script, but why he doesn't really notice him because he's looking so hard, not realizing he's consciously looking for things he knows, that those subtle little changes right in front of him, he misses. You know, an example is for how hard we look for these changes. Like I remember, I've used this story before. I don't think I used it on here. I loved Easter egg hunting try to get people to hide them for me over and over again. I loved it so much until Easter became not fun anymore. But we had this piano, one of those console pianos, wooden, fake wood or whatever. And then on the uh, cover for the keyboard, there was typically never anything there. And so my brother takes, we had one of these little shot, it wasn't a shot glass, it was a communion cup. 
Uh, communion cup is like, it's a little cup they use in churches for communion service. It's very similar to shot glasses, smaller. And it was a perfect little stand to set an egg on, right? That's not camouflaged. I'm looking so hard for this egg and it's right. There's nothing on that cover, but that glass and that egg. And I could not see it. I was looking so hard. I couldn't see it. I do the same thing when I teach people surveillance exercise, especially when I do like the tactical side and to talk to them about things they're not thinking about shadows and light and curves and shapes, whether it's daytime or nighttime. There's all these things that we don't realize how much harder we look when we're trying. That's when we're trying. And it's even easier to hide when they're not trying because they're not trying to identify you, but it's so easy when they're trying. So that's why it takes so little. You could, like girls do this all the time and don't even mean to. They got long hair, so they put it in a bun. They put it in ponytails. They put it in a single ponytail or pigtails or, or, you know, they can change a lot just from how they color it. Women do things, like even if you know it's a woman, say she wears makeup, a lot of things can be done with makeup that make them look a lot different. Like all those videos you see on YouTube and they show some girl and she's, uh, you know, attractive or beautiful, as some people would say, or maybe looks like a model. But then she starts taking all the accessories off to show what she really looks like and move the makeup. And the thing is, that's so much more elaborate than what it takes. It takes so little like if you generally wear a certain type of clothing all the time, if you make a dramatic change, it'll either be noticed or unnoticed. It depends on the situation. So if you think about like shows and movies and stuff where you got a guy and he's a, he's a cop or a regular guy, he's a hardworking guy, whatever he is, he's always a little dirty. You know, he's always got a little scruff, doesn't shave every day, but he's a good guy, whatever. You're going to go on this date. So he wears a suit. Like this dude never wears a suit. Gets a haircut clean shave. He does all this stuff and it's for the show, but you show up expecting to find this part. Like you notice it, right? Okay. But that's because you know them. Now you take that same guy with that amount of effort where nobody knows him. You put him in a situation like that where he doesn't do anything to stand out. He just talks to people or whatever, goes home next day, gets back into the whatever farming clothes, whatever he's doing, blue collar stuff, you know, two or three days, he grows some scruff. Somebody he spent time with that party shows up to his business to talk to him, looking for him that they remember. They may not realize they're talking to him when he looks like that and they're looking for him and they're not looking really hard, but they only have a certain image of that person. I see the same idea when people look at some of the stuff I talk about, or I've seen a few other people on the internet that have worked in the Intel field and people have all these assumptions they make usually about movies, about what these guys are, what they think or how they believe it's because that's what they're looking for. They've decided that that's the case when it's not it. So it's so easy. It's so easy to hide. This is part of the reason why I say clothing is such a minimal port. Your appearance is so minimal. It matters for that few seconds that people pay attention or for that interaction. You don't want them to remember much, but that's not the main things they remember. So it is very, very simple. So when you do permanent things like this, you're creating another issue. You're getting rid of something permanent to create something else. Instead, they just hire people that fit for that job. A lot more people could get into this world if they tried. They just don't most of it because what's in their head, you know, kind of mind fuck themselves. But while I have seen some exceptionally attractive people, it's people are usually very common. That's why some people like there's a, I don't know, some documentary show I turned my mom on to. They show all these random things, like hidden America or hidden something. And they talk about things and try to decide what they are, figure out what they are. And they go through the investigation with different people. I mean, and there's a couple of CIA spies on there, but there's also archaeologists and doctors, depending on the subject. Sometimes they don't figure out what something is, but most of the time they figure out, oh, it's this, oh, it's this. And they, they walk through, well, we see these images from satellites and we think this. And 
Some of them are spy-based stuff, like listening outposts. Some are just cool features in geography. But the two people on there, the man and the woman, that are, for different reasons, well-known as former CIA officers, aren't exceptionally attractive. They're people that would be attractive to plenty of people, but there's nothing exceptional about their appearance. And that's a very common thing. And it's uh, even people who follow me for a long time, you can go back and look at any photos, any pictures, anything me over the last few years that I've been doing this. And my looks changed a lot. I even did it on YouTube. I remember for a while, I did so much stuff on other people's channels, I should have did it on mine. But we went through, we used to do all these shows from like Friday to Sunday. I was on like five shows. Every single show, even shows where we would take a 15 to 20 minute break and come back, I would blow the minds of people that I had just talked to because I'd go change something. So like one day I had my beard and I had some gray, a little bit of gray less than I have now. And then I dyed it that night. And then they were trying to figure out what was different. And then, um, oh, and I trimmed it and cleaned it up. So then the next show I had like a goatee and that freaked him out. And then the next show I went down to a mustache. And then the next show I had it all gone. Like in two days I made all these changes. Now they're expecting to see me. They had this image in their head of what to look for, right? But I made these changes to make that point. It was It's not that hard to throw people off. Imagine if you weren't looking for me. Imagine you. they mention how different you look. So that's that's how much, how little effort it takes. You look so different with minimal change. So yeah, doing the permanent stuff is a bad idea. Okay, so for this next one, I'm going to go through and pull the questions out because it's a long, crazy email. But it's it's mostly focused on the Civil War thing, but a couple of things to see. Uh, so the person, if you read this, it'd be very easy to see this person's more left-leaning, pol- far more left-leaning politics than to the right because it's all about crazy right-wing people, I guess. Let's see. We'll get back to that one. Um, oh, where did it go? Speak on the right-wing radicalism worldwide. So you'd have to be more specific when you send me questions like that because that suggests we're looking at political radicalism, which is far more left-wing than right-wing in the world. That's that's clear. So you'd have to be more specific. Are you talking about right-wing extremists that aren't political? Or are you talking about terrorism? Are you talking about... I mean, what... what? I need a more specific question. Like, I can't really answer that. Especially when the way it's written is to cherry pick a smaller portion of what's really happening. Um, so whoever, you know who you are, you wrote that. But let's see. Would you speak to the increasing radical rhetoric about a neo-civil war? So whether or not this person knows what that would mean, neo-civil, when they say neo-something, typically it's somebody's talking about something that would generally be considered bad, but in favor of it. So neo-civil war would be people talking about they're in favor of the idea of a civil war. So I waited on this one for a long time because while I could find the information, I, I knew it was coming up. I wanted to see, because it was sent to me a while ago, I wanted to see how more, much more it came up. And it does. And it came up exactly how I figured it would more in politics, people with big mouths in politics, and then uh, people in radio typically or media that are, you know, uh, people that have names for their political commentators, you know, like a, you know, Tucker Carlson's a well-known Republican one. And then you get people, maybe they aren't political commentators, but they talk about it like the, the ladies on the view that are left wing. And there's a pretty equal amount on both sides, right and left. But all they do is act as echo chambers of the people who mentioned this were typically politicians that were saying things probably to get attention. And they say for or against them for whatever reason, you know, they don't see their own hypocrisy in it. So generally speaking, it's um, a negotiation tactic. It's so funny to me because 
civil war violence, um, you know, a not peaceful protests, whether it's blocking traffic, infringing on rights, or burning down cities. The, the funny thing to me that people don't seem to mention is how in our country, the right wing of politics will announce the intention of it, or, or it's maybe not the intention. They'll announce that, hey, if things don't change, there's a real possibility. Whereas the left wing won't, they'll just do it. I mean, there's times the right wing's done it too. Don't get me wrong. But it's funny to me, like, the left side of politics, it just happens. And then once it's happening, the left wing t- politics people call for it more, and they don't get hung out to dry. And then the right wing guys generally tend to ask for it to stop, but media will pull them apart and act like they're calling for it. And that happens almost all the time. It's it's so crazy. So as far as the reality of a civil war, as much as people are getting on that bandwagon, there is nothing going on that even suggests, nothing even remotely. It's a ridiculous conversation. There's far more important things to talk about and focus on. It's People talk about that stuff, some of the right-wing guys too, talk about that stuff the same way preppers talk about it. It's like they need it to happen to justify their anger or their beliefs or everything that they've done. Yeah, I mean, I've some friends I've talked to even recently that I haven't seen in a while. And they come to me because they know I know things or the jobs I used to do. And it always comes out, it's very clear what they believe. And they don't try to get me on board. They just want to know what I think. So I tell them straight out. And then they're like, it always comes down to them going, well, I don't know. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you don't know. <laughs> but that, that's they'll get to that point. But they won't change their mind on anything. And it's because they're being fed crap from the media, whether it's for or against their beliefs or somebody they're listening to on the radio or, or some famous person or something they're reading on Twitter. You know, it's just not that. And they don't know how to find the information out for themselves. And so this is how they get their information. And it's they don't see how it's going along with their beliefs or the stories they're trying to tell for those that are trying to tell stories, which is very few. But yeah, there's nothing going on out there that even remotely suggests that. There are politicians that have talked about it. You know, it's kind of the same way, like, was it Jim Jordan? One of these guys that was running for speaker, and I think it was Jordan. I mean, one of the things that was talked about that he's done, like when you're, you know, all these guys coming out, like, I'm not going to be threatened into this. And he was like, we would never do that. It's fucking well known that he does that. I mean, he's, there's literally stuff you can find where he's gone to subcommittee hearings or whatever. And he's like, this needs to happen. And they're like, yeah, we're not, that's, we're not doing that. That's not how this works. If you don't do this, me and my little caucus, we're going to call for impeachment hearings to make this happen. Something they can make happen. We, we got our power group. We can make this happen. We're the bullies here. And then sometimes people cave to it because they know he can make that shit happen. Like, I'm glad he didn't get elected. He's an idiot. But there's crap like that that goes on. And people like that, whether they like him or not, no matter what side they're on, they call for these things. They act like it's going to happen. And they, things like civil war is a discussion based on whether or not it's going to happen or who's calling for it. They argue it based on whatever's going to help their position. So I don't take, I don't take most of them seriously. Like when you get the, despite the fact that generally speaking, all the bullshit's been the same, elected officials used to be professional people. They dressed professionally. They spoke professionally. Even if they were assholes or secretly doing whatever, even if it was good or bad or whatever their intentions were, all the same shit that's going on now. But they weren't necessarily loudmouth. They weren't trying to make a show out of everything. They weren't going as far as they go on social media because of what we're calling or, you know, because we're not holding them to a standard and they're going crazy with free speech stuff. And then they're not abusing free speech, but they're abusing their positions and saying just inflammatory, ridiculous rhetoric or whatever they're doing and and to get a point across and it's like i don't give a fuck who you are if you're in politics and you're up there saying well 
this doesn't happen. There's going to be a civil war. You should be voted the fuck out of office no matter who you are because you're inciting that situation. You're suggesting to people that's what needs to happen. And that's what they're fucking doing. Both sides do it. That's the thing. There's nothing real to it. But one thing that is possible is for influential people with a voice to make things happen. You know, a prime example, Elon Musk has come out and talked about this time again on Twitter and in interviews where he has done things with investments or mentioned things about investments without intention to the most minimal thing, not even really talking about it. And the SEC contacts him and says, hey, man, you better quit doing that. He's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong, but you need to remember you're influential. Millions of people listen to you. When you do this, it can cause these things. We're seeing things happen and it's going to be investigated as though you're intentionally doing this, profiting from it. This is illegal, blah, 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 blah. So he like knocked a lot of that shit off because he didn't want to get in trouble having something happen from something he said that was never his intention, but he could be held liable for. That's being responsible, right? Politicians are not doing that. They're not being responsible. They're being irresponsible, right? They're, yeah, they lie. Yeah, they do all these other bullshit things. But when they're talking about these things of violence, and civil wars and stuff, they're being irresponsible. And they don't fucking know what that shit looks like. They don't know the reality of those things at all. All them fuckers up there that are voting on, deciding who gets money for what and what war and worse, they don't know what any of that shit looks like. They know what they're told. They see the media. Yeah, a handful of them get some, you know, have clearances and get some briefings and stuff because of their positions and why they need to know that. But they don't really fucking know. You know, it's the, the people on the ground that are doing it. They're the ones that really know. Anyway, that's probably enough of the soapbox with the dogs barking in the background. <laughs> but yeah, there's nothing there's nothing to that. And it's uh it's ridiculous, it's irresponsible. I don't understand. I see the leaps and connections people try to make and things sometimes, and I just shake my head. I'm like, you're trying way too fucking hard. I mean it, it's bullshit, but if you wanted to make an argument for it, there's way better ways to logic to do it than to make these crazy leaps and bounds. There's there's nothing there. This is why I mentioned before in previous podcast our first world problems. People don't have civil wars over first world problems. You know, we're asking the wrong questions. Why aren't we asking questions about what countries tax the shit out of their people and then use that money and send it to America to help us? I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things for other people. I'm just saying that's a question worth asking, but we're not asking that. You know, you shouldn't have to come to a guy like me to find out the reality of the war in Ukraine and why that started and what people are doing there and what needs to happen to win and how that looks. The government should be telling us that, but they don't. The questions we ask are the ones we're told to ask based on what we're told to think by all these places we get information of. We, we still refuse to accept how little we figure out for ourselves. Like, I expected a lot of pushback on some of the stuff like Two Truths and a Lie and some of these other things. I got crickets. That's part of the reason why I took a break to rethink what I was doing for a few weeks. I'm like, fucking crickets. People still want to hear what they want to hear. They don't actually give a shit about what I have to say. I mean, some of you do, and it's okay if you don't. I'm just saying that it's what I'm trying to do and what the audience generally wants don't coincide. And the more successful people do what their audiences want most of the time. Not all of them, but most of them. And I'm like, I, I need to focus this more on what I want to talk about and why. But it makes it very difficult in these situations. Like, I really appreciate questions that won't help understanding things like this guy that went in and talked to the police and realized the way it was written, I think, as the steps are going through, or at least as he's recalling it, he's realizing he's getting in a little deeper wishing he hadn't agreed to do something, but he already agreed to do it. And because he has some integrity, he's like, I'm going to fall through with this. But it's like a shittier situation and causing him stress, all because of how things are being done to him that he never had to do in the first place. But for whatever reason, whether it's 
social, conventional, something somebody told him, the way he was raised, he felt like he had this obligation to do the right thing. And the version of the right thing was everything that he did. I think now he knows that's probably not the case. But I use these opportunities when I get the really bad ones where people are very blatant about their political beliefs and how they're all right, people are over here all wrong and crazy, and they make these very obvious, general, vague statements that are just their their biases with no specific anything, trying to drag me into conversation that's not going to happen. But just to point out a few things like this, and I, I did it to see if the Civil War thing would become a big enough subject that would be worth answering. Because initially I was like, I'll pay attention to this because what it is, I haven't heard it in a couple of years, but it's probably going to go nowhere. And then when I started hearing more and more people publicly talk about it that had voices that were like elected or some you know, I've worked for elected people. I'm like, all right, I probably should probably should answer this one at this point. I don't know. I guess the point I'm trying to make, like I've thought about, <laughs> I should sit down and tell you guys everything I've thought about doing to all the stuff I've already done and how to go forward in the future just to help people. I don't know if it would really help. But one of the things I, I really push for when we're not doing the body language deception side and we're doing these like analyzing intel side and looking at news and stuff is not looking for truth or fact, but looking to learn how to be critical thinkers and to analyze information in order to ask the right questions and figure out how we can answer them ourselves, right? Because most people want to go, I get emails all the time about they want the right answer place to go that's going to tell them the right stuff they want to hear all the time. I'm like, it doesn't fucking exist. People don't get that. They think I'm trying to do something to keep them on here. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm t you're looking for the wrong things. You're asking the wrong questions. You know, you shouldn't be asking, where do I go to get for my information? You should be asking, how do I determine the information's any good? You shouldn't be saying, I wish the news would tell the truth. You should be understanding that the news tells the truth 100% of the time, all the time, and always has. And know exactly what that means, or to understand what that means, which is something that's coming in a future episode. You know, we ask the wrong questions. We, we focus on things that don't matter. You know, it's like, take a bigger issue. Let's take immigrations, right? The wall that people wanted. All I heard when people said they wanted the wall was people that didn't want to fix a problem. They acted like a fence fixes things, and it doesn't. There are ways to use a fence that could be more beneficial, especially when dealing with crime and the flow of bad things, right? But that doesn't solve immigration. We're not asking the questions about how to fix something that's there. We're trying to find other solutions to add on to a problem, hoping it makes it look better. And that's not how you solve problems. You know, we're just learning, be like, hey, instead of just blatantly spurting words out saying, how do I ask a better question? Right? When you, when you send me that, whatever it was phrased, I heard a close email about, it, it, it could have been somebody asking about left-wing politics as well, but it was like radical right-wing rhetoric or whatever it was I read, and there was far more inflammatory stuff in there. It's like people phrase things that way because, I mean, I don't mean it's only in here, but they're sheep. They are repeating or parroting what other people are saying because that's what they want to believe and that's what they want to be true. They're vague, nonsensical general statements that don't have specifics that aren't really answering a question and are suggesting or alluding to the idea, somehow inferring that it's only the side they're saying and not the other guy, Right? But we shouldn't be doing that. We should be saying, how do I ask better questions to get better answers? Which people that know me know this is how I fuck with people. And I don't mean like in serious stuff, like I do to my mom all the time. But we had a conversation. I mean, daylight savings time, I think, started today. But 
it was a couple months ago when I was there, and she asked me about when does daylight savings time start? And I told her usually at midnight. <laughs> you know, those are the ways I I mess with people. Ask back. I give you as good of a question, or good of an answer as you give me as a question. I give you a specific answer as you give me a specific of a question. You know, or stuff like um, I did it to her too. We were talking about we were having a conversation about her lawn I was taking care of. And I was talking about, oh yeah, you know, look, we got some real rain and how much better it fed the grass than just regular water and the sun came out, whatever. And the question was something like, well, what, what time does the sun come up? And I go right after, right at sunrise. <laughs> That's the stuff I do to people. I could totally do it on stuff like this, but I don't. But the point is, figure out figure out or learn how to ask better questions. And this is just in life. I'm not saying to send me, you can send me as terrible questions. You want to get them all the time, but better questions to get better answers, right? If you send me questions phrased a certain way to get the answer you want, you're foolish. If you think I can't see it and you're dumber, if you think I'm going to answer it. And if I do start to answer it, you're an idiot. If you think it's going to go your way when it never does. And I go, let's look at how terrible this is. I will use that against you. If it's a good teaching point. And I try to avoid, like, I don't talk politics on here. When I do and use an example in questions like this is to point out some things that we're ignoring. You know, like somebody was talking about, several people actually, and they're talking about just, just a good example of politics. People bringing their politics into a non-political discussion. Was talking about the war going on right now, Israel against Hamas. And this was, this was happening, I think, before they went in on the ground. But several people were talking about, well, we should point out that Benjamin Netanyahu is this kind of political guy. It's like, okay, that's irrelevant. That's actually irrelevant to this discussion, but go ahead. And like, we should point out he did this stuff and his own government is, um, you know, pushing for him to be kicked out of office or whatever they're doing along those lines. You can look that up. And isn't it suspicious this happened when the war started? It's like, no, motherfucker, it's not because it's not how the fucking shit goes down there. And the other thing is, is this picture you're trying to infer about his government wanting to get rid of him. They're the same fucking government devoted through their judicial through their um congressional proc proc or parliamentary process whatever they, whatever it is there it's the same ones that voted to say yeah let's go to war you know but we we omit that information <laughs> mission to try to tell this story and then they go into well here's all the reasons the war is happening but they they do it to try to tear down the one guy right and it's like just say you're pro-palestinian and anti-israel you've picked a side that's fine isn't it funny how in this situation, and just as an example, here's a reason why people do this. People that are pro-Israel in this, if they've chosen a side and said, I'm pro-Israel or I'm pro-Israel this time because I do think this is a terrorist organization, or maybe it's not a terrorist, but they did this terrible thing. They took civilians to try not to get attacked. Like, yes, I think they have the right to defend themselves and they should go in and do this stuff and stop the bad guys, right? They have no problem saying that. But hardly anybody comes out and says pro-Palestine. They don't. They say anti-Israel. They don't have the balls to say they're pro-Palestine. And you know why, especially the political ones? Because they know to be pro-Palestinian is to be a Nazi. <laughs> like, it cracks me up. This is just an example of how dumb people are. It cracks me up that today people talk about right-wing people being Nazis when the Nazis weren't right-wing. Now, granted, there are right-wing people that are Nazis or pro, like literally pro-Aryan Brotherhood, right? And they're typically on the right-wing in American politics, even though Nazis weren't. But then in colleges, we have people protesting all over, and they're saying... They won't say we're Nazis, but they say there is one solution, right? The Germans call it the final solution. They're like, there's one solution. We'll get rid of Israel. Like, they're literally saying pro-Nazi stuff. And the worst part is nobody calls them out on it. That just blows my mind. But this is an example of, 
what people will do in their question to try to get what they want out of it instead of really trying to seek knowledge and information. So you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying if you're actually trying to seek knowledge and information, find, find out how to do it. Find out how to do it better to get better information.